This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Welcome, global leaders, to the Global Reach Leadership Forum with Navy veteran, ecclesial leader, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Pat. Presenting you with critical leadership perspectives from the minds of former military leaders, now transforming the face of American business as successful entrepreneurs. Get ready to listen, learn, to lead, and now to enhance your leadership influence on the Global Reach Leadership Forum. Here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hello and welcome to the Global Reach Leadership Forum. I'm your host, Dr. Pat. And today we are talking about one of the first leadership principles, and that is courage. We're going to examine how courage, as a first principle, is essential for us to excel in our entrepreneurial endeavors. And before our guest comes, I'd like to give you my take. Now, courage has been asked in several ways. Most people have asked. What is courage anyway? And you have probably heard it said before in a variety of circles that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the tenacity to persevere in the midst of fear. Now, though I wholeheartedly agree with this notion, I would also caution that courage could also be evident in the absence of faith, that is, the assurance or confidence of knowledge. What do I mean by that? Well, for example, a leader like you, for instance, who has been humbled by life circumstances and, and stripped to nothing in health and wealth can find courage and hope. Now, this leader has passed the state of fear and is on the bottom of life. So he or she has nowhere else to go but up. This leader finds the courage to ignore all odds, swallow his or her pride, of social ridicule and muster the courage to ask for help when and where help is needed. Now, this kind of courage, I believe, makes the leader not just tenacious, but resilient. Now, this kind of resilience is essential because ten- and tenacious because, because you have struck every aspect of your life and can do nothing more and you stuck through the pain and agony of resilience, and you're standing tall. So when you ask what the question of courage really is, I, I, my answer to you then is that it is the ability to see through the challenges of life. It is the ability to withstand any challenge that you face and be prepared to answer a question when you are being tried by all circumstances. Now, I'm confident you deserve to wear the badge of honor if you've been on the bottom and all you have to do is look up. This makes you courageous. A leader with courage looks both within and without to find things that are seemingly out of place to get them back in order. So, just as the old serenity prayer asks of God to grant the courage to change the things I can, so do you as a leader have the courage 
to withstand adversity and seek to make a difference where and when it matters. You can be and should be courageous about everything within your circle of influence. As a leader, if you cannot influence your circle or stand up to what matters most to you or those things you care about, then you should probably question your fit for the office in which you execute. The quality of courage in a leader is both admirable and enviable. If you earnestly seek to determine whether you possess the quality, you should ask yourself what you're willing, able, and more importantly, desire to stand up for. Additionally, you need to be courageous about the least under your charge, the most vulnerable, the most deprived, and the most challenged are often the least considered in every social influence. Consequently, short of statutory regulations and mandated governance, our social standards will be out of balance. So I encourage you as a leader, you can change the things only you can control as long as you can find within you the quality that only you at this moment in time can exercise the courage to change. So before our guest comes, I'd like us to look at what courage is all about and how you can make a difference to be courageous. All right, now our guest. All right, well, our guest today is uh, retired Captain Rick Hoffman. He served in the U.S. Navy for 28 years. Uh, he commanded two ships, uh, USS DeWert and USS Waste City. Uh, he was on the staff to uh, Commander Enterprise Battle Group uh, and also commandant of the Marine, Marine Corps. He served in U.S. Central Command. And after retiring, he formed uh, Orion Solutions LLC. And uh, he has over nearly, nearly $10 million in annual revenues uh, for his company. Uh, he, he also delivered a command at sea course to Taiwan and Pakistan Navy, and also a Navy operational planning course for the Colombian Navy. Uh, he is a member of the Jacksonville Chamber of Commerce and uh, on the advisory board of the Dean of Student Affairs at the University of North Florida. Uh, he's a regular speaker at the Leadership for, for Taylor Leadership Institute and the Honors Leadership Course. Uh, he's also a attorney at Oceanside. He is a lifelong member of the Surface Navy Association a board of, on the Board of Directors for 2013 through 2016, and uh, a member also of the Navy League, uh, president of the uh, Mayport Council, uh, president of, current president of the board for the Environmental Action Council. And Captain Rick is also a movie star, actually, but he's a technical advisor uh, for the movie's Battleship, in which he played in, and also Captain Phillips uh, on the recommendation of the, of the U.S. Navy. And he has advised writers on the TNT TV show, The Last Ship. So, Captain Rick, welcome to the Global Reach Leadership Forum. It's good to have you here, sir. It's good to be here, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Well, you know, I'm always intrigued by the lessons that 
you know, I learned from warriors like you in the military, especially Kudas, Kudas warriors. It's uh, always a lot uh, to learn from you and our listeners here are going to learn from you the, you know, the experience that you've had both in the private sector and also in the, uh, in the, in the military, because the fundamental leadership principles are always essential for us, always go back to, for us to excel successfully as entrepreneurs. So today we want to start off talking about courage the value of courage for a military leader. And, you know, courage, especially especially moral courage, is sometimes missing in leadership. And uh, yet valor is expected and seen by various people in, in various capacities, both men and women. So I, I want to ask this, uh, you know, today, uh, what is your definition of courage and how did you successfully demonstrate this kind of courage uh, as a leader in the military? Well, I, for me, uh, courage and leadership are, are, in fact, courage for me is, is one of the fundamental elements of leadership, and that is the, the ability and the confidence to know when you, need, when you have the opportunity to do the right thing and then doing it. Uh, for me, uh, there's, in the military, very often there's courage in telling your boss that they're wrong, or there's courage in telling your boss that what he's asked you to do is unreasonable for what you're trying to accomplish or for the, the impact it might have on your crew. Uh, so, so for me, it was always about my crew. It was always about taking care of my people. And that is the same today uh, in my company. I have about 50 employees and every decision I make has to be central, uh, centrally focused on, is it the right thing for them? Not, is it the right thing for my pocketbook? Mm. So uh, keeping the people always in the front, uh, it, for me, both, both at sea in command of my ship or uh, here in the company. Uh, that, those those to me are, are, are fundamental issues. Oh, that that's that's great to hear. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you mentioned that it's about it's about the team and not necessarily about you. Because sometimes as leaders, we we tend to lose sight of the essence of the fact that it's not always about us. We got to look at the whole team uh, together to be able to excel. So so in that case, then do you think that there's a difference between uh, moral courage and valor in the military? And courage in the in the business or private sector because I mean you've had the best of both worlds. So, uh, is there any differences at all? And if so, you know what are they? Well, for me, I, I it, it, and thank you for the read ahead because I've been pondering that particular question. I think it's easier to have stronger moral courage and more valor if you're surrounded or living in an environment where it's commonplace. Okay. So, in my in my view, uh, if I created the right ethos on board my ship. For me to sustain moral courage and for me to have, uh, it's all really all about character. In an environment where character is reflected on all of my people, it's easy. And, mm. and you just continue to do what's right for your organization. In the civilian world, uh, you don't have that consistency of focus and consistency of vision. And so very often you have to make sure that you don't lose sight of your own moral code. When I started my company, I had two senior enlisted guys who were my who were my first employees, and I basically said, "The world is not black and white out here. Mm. In the Navy, it's black and white. If I touch something on your rack, I'm stealing. If I say something wrong to one of my shipmates, I'm 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 wrong. Uh, in the in the in the civilian world, there's a lot of gray. And so I said to my guys, I live in the white. Two, I'm never going to go in the black because that's not who I am. I live in the white. I'm not clever enough to skirt in the gray at all." I ask you to tell you to do something that you think is in the gray. You've misunderstood what I'm doing. Keep me out of the gray. Mm. Keep me in the white. And uh, you know, a lot of people get clever and uh, 
cut corners, uh, do things, but it will always come out. And particularly in, the, in my, I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida, which is a fairly small community. If I were to be uh, a little bit shady, they would know it immediately. Everyone here in Jacksonville would know it. And I would not be able to get further work. I, I would, it would ruin my, my, my personal reputation and it would ruin my company. So stay out of the gray. Wow, I like that very much. Black and white. And sometimes sometimes it's critical that we operate in those areas because anytime there's a gray, then people tend to question whether or not you're really authentic. And, and I appreciate you mentioning that the key uh, to, uh, to, to moral courage. But, you, you know, um, now, sometimes we have to be able to inculcate this in our team and those that we lead. So how, how did you then... You know, um, how did you encourage your team to be courageous? Because sometimes people don't really know what to do. And and sometimes you probably have to reward that. Did you ever reward um, that as a leader at any time in your in your in your leadership, whether in the private sector or, or in the uh, in the military to just, you know, encourage people to be courageous? Because that's important. Well, uh you're familiar with the 80-20 rule where yes. you know, 20% of the work gets, or 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 20% of the wealth. Well, I apparently, long before I'd ever read that this was a thing, I actually I had mentally created this, this model myself. Mm-hmm. So there's a saying when you're going through prospective commanding officer school up in Newport Island that the captain's going to spend 90% of the time on the 10% of their sailors. And the, the supposition being that the 10% I'm focusing on are the bottom 10. Yes. I said, no, no, that's not the way it's going to work for me. I told my XO and my command master chief, you got the bottom 10. Mm. I got the top 10. I'm going to spend 90% of my time on the 10% of the sailors that should go off to go, should go to college or should become a, an officer program or should get uh, re- rewarded through promotion. I'm going to spend my time on those top 10%. And as a result, you know, uh, everybody aspired to be in that top 10%. Ultimately, about 80% of my crew were in the top 10%. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's right. That's right. That's good. And and the difference between the military and here is, and every great business book says first, uh, create your own team. Bring Mm -hmm. like-minded people to your team and then trust them to do their job. In the military, I don't have any choice. I get the XO that the Navy sends to me. I get the Master Chief that the Navy sends to me. So I had to create the right tone and ethos myself having this disparate uh, accumulation of sailors. And I, in fact, I'm talking uh, to the University of North Florida now with their new vice president of diversity. Mm-hmm. What I explained, and, I, and, and of course, our friend uh, Jim Fouts's uh, mosaic model was, was resonated with me because in the Navy, I got what I got. From, yes. uh, so the diversity occurred by the selection process by which the Navy recruited and then distributed. Mm-hmm. Inclusion occurs when I have created the environment where everybody who they sent to me, feels like they're making a positive contribution. They know their role, they're respected for their role, they're treated with dignity and respect. And that's an important part of what I do here. Here I get to select my team. Yes. I, get to, I get to bring the right people in. So I've already selected people that are like-minded, but I'm humble enough to listen to them. Good. I'm humble enough to have, they know to walk in and sit down and say, Captain, I got a question. Or, you know, I'm not sure you meant to say that. And so, uh, uh, so that's the biggest difference for me between what I did in the military. In the military, you've got to create that right, that solid ethical foundation for the entire crew, knowing they come from a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences. 
Wow, that's uh, that that's so great, you know. And with your experiences, um, you know, at sea and also now in the private sector, I'm sure you probably have some kind of uh, experience because I'm I'm listening to what you're saying and and I'm realizing that you you have you know taken on board the, the fact that you need to surround yourself with the right kind of people, the right team, and mentor them and grow them. But is there one particular example of like courage that you practiced? in the military as a leader that you probably do the same now. I mean, one, if you can think of one example that comes to mind uh, that you practice both in the military and now you're doing that now as well in the, in the private sector. Well, again, uh, never lose sight that integrity and character is key. Okay. If you say you'll do something, you've got to do it. And that's true both in the, in the private sector and in the military uh, and, and having the courage to say no. Uh, if, Somebody, I, I get a call, somebody offers me a lot of money to do a particular task for them. And it's not something that's, that, that I know I can do 100%, have the courage to say no. Uh, and so, uh, uh, in, and at sea, I sometimes got my ship, my crew sometimes got pressed very, very hard, doing more with less, working smarter, not harder. All, all of those panaceas that they use to underfund you and, and give you more tasking than you're and you're, you're, you're manned or funded to do, yes. uh, you have to have the courage to say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, that's not, that's not in the best interest of my crew. Wow. It, it, that, th- thank you so much for, for sharing that because the courage to say no is sometimes very hard, especially when uh, one is like a new entrepreneur that is uh, now getting to the private sector. The, the, it, everything, everything becomes uh, a priority. Everything is, you know, is worth doing. But I'm sure you probably have some advice for somebody who is transitioning the military, you know, transition from military uh, a leader there and now coming to private sector. Um, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's who's a budding entrepreneur and is excited about you know getting into the private sector, and they need to be courageous to lead? So, what kind of advice would you give somebody like that who's so zealous? Well, uh, I, I you've only known me a short while, Patrick, but I'll tell you, I, I tend to have a kind of a perverse view of military leadership mm-hmm. uh, because very often it isn't. Uh, very often it's an oxymoron. So step number one, the higher your rank as you're leaving the Navy, mm-hmm. the more likely it is that you think that you're a natural leader mm-hmm. because of your success in the military. And a vast majority of you are wrong. Mm-hmm. Having a positional authority and being a leader are not the same. So that's the first thing. So check, check your ego at the door. <laughs> uh, I've, seen, I've had more retiring captains in, here in Jacksonville who seek me out, who sit right here in this office and we chat about it. And, and they say, well, I need to be getting X amount of money to start with. I say, what makes you think you're worth that for a new company? Well, I bring leadership. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But do you understand how to read a profit and loss statement? Do you understand what are you going to do to contribute to the company's growth? What makes you think you're worth that much money just because you once wore the uniform? Wow. So humility is key. Check your ego at the door. The higher rank you are, the less likely it is you have a full appreciation for what you can contribute. Uh, you mentioned the movie, and I talk about this in my leadership lectures. When I walked on the set of the, of the movie, I, I didn't know anything about movie making. I could have walked in and said, I'm the captain. I know how to do these. I could have gone to Captain Phillips and said, I'm the captain now. Uh, how, would that, how would that have worked? Uh, I had to learn my role first and then look for where I can contribute. And, and so many retired, I, don't, I see this mostly with retired admirals. Uh, well, I, I have all this leadership and I'm going to help this company XYZ with their leadership. Well, they think they have some, 
And they didn't, they're not hiring you for that. They're hiring you for your organizational skills. They're hiring you to perform a specific task in an industry over, of which you have no, in, no prior information. So be humble, learn your role, learn how you can contribute. Then you can start figuring how, how best if you don't build trust mm. from the very beginning, and one of the fundamental elements of trust is competence. Yes. Okay? Yes. If I don't trust you, I won't lead you. I will manage you, but I won't lead you. If you don't trust me, you won't follow me. That's right. You only follow me so far as our self-interests coincide. So, so and the, and the first element of, 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 of trust is competence. Competence. Wow. <laughs> Captain Rick, that's that's some really great nuggets of gold I'm learning from you here. I mean, this is this is awesome. Trust. So there has to be mutual trust there for leadership and followership. Wow, that's that's deep. You know, I'm so glad you highlighted the fact that a lot of leaders leave the military and they think because of their success, that should automatically transition into the private sector. And you're right, PL statements are probably one of the hardest things that they're probably gonna try to figure out because they don't do that, you know. You know, they don't have to deal with that in you know in, in the in the in the military. But you know, it's it's interesting because you know, in recent times, uh, we've had uh, we've had some some misunderstandings in the political world, people, you know, even in the private sector have had issues with race and, and there's a whole, whole lot of noise about, you know, about equality and everything else. And sometimes we as leaders need to have the courage to do the right thing, you know? And so I'm looking at a young entrepreneur who probably just started his business and, and wants to do the right thing and doesn't see, you know, how they can be courageous to say no, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hire you, or no, I'm not gonna fire you. I'm just gonna do the right thing, you know. What kind of, um, what are your insights on on that? How would you say that, buddy, entrepreneurs who are caught up in politics and and you know reading PL statements and all that, what kind of insights would you give them? How should they go about doing something like that? Well, you've asked several questions there, yes. and, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm and I'm thinking when you say the word politics, you're not that. Little P, interpersonal relationships. That's right. Not, That's not right. big P, uh, right. uh, Republican, Democrat stuff. No, uh, have a clear vision of who you are. Mm-hmm. Remain true to yourself. And that's, that's what you, you, you alluded to that a moment ago. And that is have a clear vision of who you are before you start and have a clear vision of where you want to go. Okay. I think you're doing what you're doing and don't get distracted from the goal that you've already established. So, so uh, that's the key. Now, part of it is, you know, there, there is a real challenge as you're trying to get started to make sure that you can keep the lights on and pay the rent. Uh, you can't lose sight of that. Uh, but you also have to have the ability to know when it's time to do something else. That, uh, that perhaps, and what, 50% of all companies uh, that have started are dead within five years, something like that. So uh, uh, you have to have the, the, the courage to say, okay, this isn't working. I need to do something else. Uh, but know where you're going okay. and have it, 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 you have to be able to know your own character. And this is hard to do. Everybody that everything you're reading nowadays, you talk about our ego bias, all the biases that we have. Uh, ego bias, uh, and that's the, the biggest that's the biggest challenge for a guy like me coming out of the Navy. I was a cruiser skipper. Everyone should stop what they're doing and say, you know, hey, cruiser skipper, well, yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, One of the retired four-star friend of mine, he introduces himself by his first name. And unless I tell people that he's a retired four-star, you'll never know. 
Because mm-hmm. he's not, he's, he's going to be humble the way he deals with you. Um, you know, and, and be, be true to yourself, but also know that everything you say and do is going to be reflected five, 10, 20 years down the road. Every interaction you have is going to be out there. Decisions I made in the early 80s are still coming back to me today. Well, as an example, I just got remarried. Uh, as you as you may know, I was widowed. And so I, I yeah. met a gal who was the widow of a guy that I knew on active duty in the early 80s. Well, since 1983, if I hadn't been a person of character, a person mm-hmm. of strong moral values, a good father, a good husband, a good naval officer, she would have known that. Yes. It's a small community. It's a small community. <laughs> okay? So it's not who you know. It's how you know who you know. Wow. How, it's, it's how do you trust? You know, do you, you know, it's how you met the people that you now know. And, and I tell the students this, they look on either side of you. You're going to run to that person at a job interview in 20 years. I swear to God, it's going to happen. And they're going to remember whether you were a jerk in class or whether you were focused in class. True. Wow. That, that, is, that is so true. I, I'm so glad you're mentioning humility because uh, in, in, these, uh, in these sessions, when I talk to leaders, great leaders like you and, and, and they always go back to humility. And I'm, I, keep, I keep making a, a point to remember that because so often we, we lose sight of that as leaders, that humility should be a core value of how we lead. Because without that humility, people are going to wrestle with you leading them. You know, yeah. and, and, and today, I, I, you know, I look at young entrepreneurs that are, you know, that are budding. They, they, they want to excel. They want to do great things. And they forget that you know, they forget how they got to check the ego at the door, you know, before, you know, before moving on. So, but are there any strategies that they can use to do this? Because there's so much stuff out there. How do they know whether they're on the right track or not? What kind of recommendations would you give us strategies to, uh, to kind of check the ego at the door, um, be humble and know who you are and have character and then um, seek the leadership of your people by, you know, by, by being yourself, what kind of strategies would you uh, would you recommend to a budding entrepreneur? Well, it's funny. Uh, everything that I say, uh, you probably have already heard since you're about the second, third grade. You know, don't be rude. Keep your hands to yourself. Listen more. Talk less. I mean, yes. you know. Uh, um, um, and of course, I read. I read insatiably. I I I I have two or three books going at any given time. They're not always about leadership. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm deep diving on psychology because the issue of biases has been so prevalent in how it affects people's decision-making process. Mm-hmm. So, so reading to me is, is fundamental. So uh, if you ain't reading, you ain't growing. If you ain't growing, you're dying. You know. True, so true. Uh, you, you got to read to live. Uh, so that's that's important. And, and there's a lot out there, and you can you can pick up what those what those authors are saying. They're saying pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't trust you, I'm not going to hire you. I tell the students that uh, there's all this mythology about the good old boy network. And well, the good old boy network is just a group of people who work together and know that they can trust each other. So you're, you want to get into the good old boy network, you have to create trust yourself. How do you create trust? All the same things, all the, all the memes that show up on Facebook, you know, be on time, be a person of character. Uh, have when your word is your bond. A handshake is a commitment. You know, smile. You know, uh, uh, you don't have to put on any airs, but you have to. 
and if, if being yourself it means you're going to be a jackass, then don't be yourself. You're in the wrong business. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but and again, have the humility to be able to hold a mirror up and say, "Am I am I really who I think I am?" Mm-hmm. And is, is the genuine me truly that that guy I think it is? And is it truly how I want to be reflected? Uh, so my advice to them is take the, all the advice you can get. Uh, listen to people who've been out there before. Listen to your podcast because you're going to, get, you're going to find really good people that will talk to these issues for you. Yes. Um, but read, 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 read. Wow! Thank you so much. I I I always mention that to uh you know to young leaders that you know you've 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 got to you know read to lead because uh, often you if you're not putting good stuff in yourself how are you going to be able to give something out right so uh, I'm glad you hit that right on the head there uh, you know I appreciate all that you've said because I, I I look at all all the good statements that you're making right now about making sure that you you're, you're introspective uh, you're building the trust with that good old boy network you know and 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 reading but sometimes leaders think how much can I read and how, you know what how do I know what is you know what, what what is good to read? I, and I think being selective, being sincere, going back to what you said, being humble, looking at the fundamentals of what you want um, in life is going to help all that uh, all that to be able to um, address the the basics of of leadership. So in, in that case, then I guess we're heading towards the end um, of our you know our forum here. But I, I'm sure by now you've probably gathered one big example that you can think of as far as you know, courage, whether it is uh, courage in the private sector or courage, you know, in the military that you may have experienced. Is that one example in that, you know, you want us to take away where to say, hey, to, to have courage, whether it's moral courage, just, just courage. What example can you think of that uh, we can take away with us? Well, again, I, I, the, phys- the issue of physical courage is, is, is it's an easy one to, to, to get down to. I commanded a ship. I was on the bridge of that ship. When I first received word of the attacks on the Twin Towers on 9 11. Yeah. And I knew at that moment that my life had changed. And I had to take 400 young men and women uh, away from home, across the ocean, into the Persian Gulf. Uh, it was four months after the USS Cole had been attacked in Yemen uh, uh, when I first took command. Uh, eight months later, 9 11 happened. Four months later, I'm in the Persian Gulf with 400 young men and women. And I had to then say, my goal and mission here is not just 40 young men and women, but it's about 1,200 men and women and their immediate family members. That's right. Okay. And a mistake, by, a mistake at my level can change foreign policy. Yes. Can change how America makes decisions about things. We saw this when the start got hit. We saw this when the Vincennes shot down the uh, the Iranian Airbus years ago. A mistake by me uh, is 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 going to going to have a uh, a lasting effect and literally changed history. Yes. So I that that was a pretty significant burden, uh, but I I was able to hold it because I had my team who I at that point trusted completely. Two of whom now work for me in my company. Twenty years later, awesome. I brought them with me because they trusted me. And uh, one of the strongest compliments that I think I've ever gotten when we returned from our deployment, one of the wives came to me. And she was in tears because of the joy of having her husband come home. But she grabbed me and she gave me a huge hug. She says, I can't tell you how much comfort I took when my husband was with you. Wow. 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 Uh, that, that's so awesome. That was, and then 
the other courage was the, the decision to, to jump out on my own and start my own company and say, hey, let's do this thing. Um, uh, I had, it wasn't as courageous as I'd like you to think because I had the military retirement. You know, my wife was, at the time was still, my late wife was still working. So I had the luxury of having beer in the fridge and a roof over my head, whether I worked or not. Uh, so I, I could take some risk. Yes. Uh, but but it was pretty courageous. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And, uh, but I brought my team together. We learned together. And now, you know, 15 years later, uh, we've got a company of about 60 employees and we're, we're doing good things. Almost all, all veterans. Yes. Uh, all doing what they what they do best. And uh, wow, that's awesome. Well, that 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 that, that is great there, uh, camera guy. I think this this has been very insightful to us. And uh, we know that we're not gonna let you go without talking a little bit about, you know, um Calvin Phillips and also Battleship. I mean, anything you want us to learn about your experience as a as a movie star or or anything at all. You know, from that being the technical advisor that you were for, you know, the Navy actually wanted you to be the one uh, to be consulted. So any insights on that before we uh, we let you go? <laughs> well, it, it pulls the both uh, people ask me how I got Battleship. Well, it's easier to, for me to tell you how I got Captain Phillips. They're getting ready to film Captain Phillips. The director called the director of Battleship and said, who do you use for your maritime support? They said, Captain Rick. Well, so it's not who you know. That's it's right. how you know who you know. There you go. How you treat the people you meet. So how did I get battleship? Well, uh, the, at the time, the senior public affairs officer in the Navy was a one-star admiral. And, and at one time in his career, he was lieutenant commander, public affairs officer on USS Enterprise. And I was a crusty old captain on the battle group staff working for the admiral. Okay. Sometimes the captain and the admiral had different opinions of what direction they wanted to go. And oftentimes, the com- lieutenant commander, all five foot eight, and I'm not, Okay, he would have a task or a mission, and it would be contrary to what my boss wanted. Now, I could have gone all captain on him. You know, I'm the captain, you're the commander. Go tell your captain what my admiral wants, or we could work together, find a meaningful uh, solution, and that solves everybody's problems. So, the senior public affairs officer in the Navy had remembered working with me 15 years earlier at sea on board Enterprise Battle Group, and he said, Ah, I know the guy. And so, 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 but, but so it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. It's how you treat the people you meet. True. And, and the impact that you're making today could very well affect your life 15, 20, 30 years later. Later. Yes. Now, at the same time, I had sick, I had time. My company was being run by people that I trust. It was five months working on Battleship. My wife had recently passed away, and so I was I, I, I didn't have any reason to not go do it. Mm-hmm. So I took that opportunity. And to be quite frank with you, I, I it probably saved my life. I was drinking too much. I wasn't a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies are not dramatic, and they're not fun. 12, 13, 14-hour days. Wow. Um, and But that that those long days in Hawaii and in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, away from Jacksonville, gave me a lot of time to heal, mm-hmm. a lot of time to, to look into myself. And, uh, and, and stop, you couldn't drink. I mean, you didn't have time. You know, there's, you get off the set at eight o'clock, you'd be back on the set at six o'clock in the morning. You're not going to party that night. So, uh, uh, so it was a very healthy time for me. Uh, uh, but how I did in the Navy was how I got battleship. How I got, you know, how I did a battleship is how I got Captain Phillips. And that's precisely how I got the last ship. Um, and that's exactly how I'm doing in my company today. The people I deal with, 
the companies that hire my company to be a subcontractor to them are people I served with in the military. They're retired captains and, 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 and admirals who have stayed in the business and they know me, they know my word and my bond, they know my character and they know that we're going to do the right thing. Wow. That, you know, it sounds like from everything you said, trust, character, sincerity, the bond that you create with people is going to last you a long time. So, you know, here is, you know, listeners, if, if you are listening to this, this, you cannot leave without hearing all these words that Cam Rick has just uh, imparted unto us. Thank you so much, Cam Rick, for, uh, for, for giving us so much insight into, into how to lead with courage, trusting one another, having a circle of influence that can really affect you for the rest of your life. Those are all good, good stuff that we learned from you. Well, before we ask you to go, why don't you, you know, if there's anything you want us to know about your company or, or anything at all, you know, you share with us about Battleship, but anything you want people to know, maybe some books they should read, but something about you and your company, um, this is your time to pitch. <laughs> if you have uh, Well, again, we're a service <laughs> stable veteran-owned small business here in Jacksonville. We primarily provide services to the Navy. Uh, yeah. We are we're looking to expand leveraging the VA certification for our, our small business characterization to move into the Veterans Administration if we can. So far, we stayed with what we know and people who we know keep giving us work. Yes. Uh, we're hungry, but we're not greedy. Uh, and so uh, uh, we'd rather do a really good job for a small number of people than, than you know, to be you know, on, on every team that's out there. Uh, I'm very much engaged here in the community. I'm, the, I'm also the executive director of the Jacksonville Area Ship Repair Association. So I get involved in the ship repair industry that repairs U.S. Navy ships. So I'm continuing to give back to my roots to make sure that when a ship goes to sea, that the equipment works, that it's been sustained and maintained at the highest possible level. And it's good for Jacksonville. It's good for my community. <laughs> and uh, I'll do one big shout out. Uh, 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 my younger, my older daughter is the uh, mayor of Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Oh, so, uh, great! So, Congrats! I tell people when I when I say I got two daughters, no sons, two sisters, no brothers. I didn't raise daughters; I raised people. Wow! And so my younger daughter spent 13 years in the Navy before she decided to go home and be a mom. I have two great grandkids, but she was very successful in a very difficult environment. Uh, my older daughter decided to get into politics and. In the rough and tumble world of uh, small town politics, she succeeded. She's now the mayor. Wow. So, uh, so uh, uh, I'm watching them. And, and, and as you said, people that I influenced 20, 30 years ago yes. still resonates. The people that I raised 20, 30 years ago are demonstrating to me that the message that I sent and the example that I set yes. lives on in them and, and everybody that they touch. So my little pebble in a pond, that little Rick Hoffman, that continues to affect people. And, and I, it's just very gratifying to me. And I, I still have over, over 300 of my Facebook uh, contacts are sailors that serve with me at sea. Many of them are master chiefs, senior chiefs, admirals, captains. Yes. Um, so watching their success, it gives me great pleasure. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know what? It, it, this, this has been really great and insightful and I have learned a lot and, and I encourage our listeners, you know, wherever you might be, whether you're a budding entrepreneur, you're transitioning military leader, just, just listen to the words that, you know, we've heard today and make the best of it. I encourage you to always go back, read, as Rick said, read, 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 you know, have a circle of trust, 
Know the people that you're working with because what you do today is going to affect what happens 5, 10, 15 years coming. So thank you so much for being with us there, Captain Rake. I, I I look forward to you know working with you again in the future. And for our listeners, remember to lead the change. Thank you and be well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, global leaders, thank you for listening to this episode of the Global Reach Leadership Forum. If you have learned something today, please like us on Facebook, Visit our website at www.globalreachleaders.com to leave a comment or a question and share this episode with others. Until next week, remember to lead the change. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.